Welcome to Aussie, a podcast where we explore the careers shaping our world today with your host, Parnika Shankar. From entrepreneurs and creatives to scientists and healthcare professionals, we speak with professionals who have carved out successful careers in their respective fields. Whether you're a student, a recent graduate, or a seasoned professional, this podcast is for you. Join us as we learn from their successes, challenges, and everything in between. This week, we're joined by Joy Johnson, who grew up in Hawaii, where hospitality was one of the largest industries, starting with the intention of pursuing an accounting major. She graduated with a degree in business administration and a double major in marketing and management. After a short stint with a law firm after graduating from Georgetown University, she determined that law school wasn't for her. She then started her hospitality career in the legal department of a hotel management company in Washington, D.C., With her knowledge of employment law, she took on regional human resources roles for supporting the company's select service division, then leading their associate relations team. Today, she'll be sharing how her current role as vice president of compliance and chair of the Diversity, Equity, and Inclusion Council at Crescent Hotels and Resorts has allowed her to come full circle and combine her two areas of expertise. Thank you for being with us here today. So for those of us who may be unfamiliar with the field of compliance, can you provide an introduction to what compliance is and what role it plays in various industries? Well, compliance can mean a lot of different things, especially if you are in industries like healthcare or finance, which are really heavily regulated. But in the world of hospitality, which is my industry, I use my expertise in employment law and human resources to identify gaps between what we should be doing and what we are doing, and then develop training or process or policy changes to close that gap. And since companies can't tackle every item and every issue at the same time, um, I also evaluate risk and potential liability to prioritize the critical issues that need to be addressed first. That's really helpful to know. And in this day and age, compliance has become even more critical given the access to data and the dynamic political and professional environment. So can you provide us an insight of your role as the Vice President of Compliance at Crescent Hotels and Resorts? Yes. So so really it is working with our payroll teams and our legal teams and our people and culture team, which in other organizations refer to as human resources. And in looking at, you know, what the uh, laws are and the updates and changes in regulations uh, and really looking at, you know, are we following those regulations? Um, If we're not, you know, what do we need to do in order to update our processes or our systems or our policies to make sure that they're compliant? Okay. And you've had an incredible journey starting as a legal assistant to now the VP of compliance with various executive roles in the interim, including significant experience in HR before transitioning to a compliance role. If someone wants to pursue a career in compliance from the initial stage itself, what path would you recommend? Um, Well, I will say my career is not what I would consider a traditional compliance career. Uh, so my role is really involves more process improvement than financial auditing, which a lot of people think of when they hear compliance. So if it, your career is, you know, on the finance side, it's it's going to look a lot different than mine. Um, but, you know, just looking back at, at my own career, I would say that, you know, to be effective in the area, you really need to understand the requirements that you are trying to be compliant with. 
right? So in my role, um, it meant having a really solid foundational knowledge of employment law and human resources best practices. Um, but you also need to understand the business, like how it works, who does what, you know, what the company's priorities and their strategies and their objectives are. So I would say if you're starting out and this is something that interests you, then just learn as much as you can about the business and become an expert in something. Is there a particular course in college that would be more inclined or beneficial than others? I think, again, it depends kind of what area you know, you're looking to be an expert in because compliance is such a really broad topic um, and it really depends on what interests you. So I knew that I wanted to study business. I actually started college with the intent of majoring in accounting. And I took my first accounting class and I very quickly realized that accounting was not the path for me. Um, so I did end up graduating with a degree in business administration uh, with a double major in marketing and management. And I would say some of the, you know, my favorite courses were operations management, management strategy, and business law. So I think I naturally just gravitated toward process improvement and strategy and kind of the legal area. Can you elaborate on some of the courses that you found interesting? I think for operations management, it was uh, problem solving. You know, a lot of it was critical thinking, like you look at the overall operation and kind of see where's the bottleneck or what is, uh, you know, what is inefficient in that operation and, and how can you correct it? So it was kind of a lot of digging into the problem, finding the root cause and then developing solutions. And so I think that was probably a theme that you will see in like the courses that I liked is, is that, that problem solving kind of critical thinking skills that you needed. Same thing with management strategy. It was instead of looking at the minutia of a problem, it was kind of looking at something from the 30,000 foot level of, okay, what's the big picture, right? Because if you handle a an issue or a problem in just, you know, just one small part of the business, it could have an impact on other parts of the business. So it's really teaching you how to have a big picture view of what was going on in the business and how you could impact it. And then the last one was business law, which was really just an elective. And this is, I think I took it toward the end of college, so junior or senior year. Uh, and it was really something that just seemed interesting. It was taught by an, a practicing attorney. He was an adjunct professor. Uh, and so, you know, it was like an evening class and it was, I don't know what it was about it. I think that's kind of where maybe my interest in the law started. It was, you know, he would present cases and we would talk about you know, the background of the case, how the case progressed, you know, what was the conclusion of the case, you know, what laws, what laws impacted the case. And for me, it was just interesting. So um, I think it just maybe was my natural inclination, uh, you know, some, a little bit of logic, a little bit of arguments, you know, business arguments that, that were made. I just found it very interesting. Mm -hmm. When you were in high school, were you certain of your path in legal or human resources? Or was that, again, just in college through different classes that you learned? Uh, so I would say in, you know, when I, when I started in high school, I attended an elite prep school where everyone was expected to be like a lawyer or a doctor or an engineer or somebody with an advanced degree. Um, so it really wasn't like a matter of, you know, if you would go to college, it's like, what college would you go to and how high ranking is that college? And so, so those kinds of, you know, 
those fields like lawyer, doctor, engineer were kind of always at the back of my mind because that's kind of ingrained in you to, that's what the goal was. Um, but what actually led to my interest in business was my participation in junior achievement. Uh, so I don't even remember why I joined that. It's an after school program. I don't know why I joined it. I don't remember, but probably had to do with me thinking it would look really good on my college application. Uh, and for junior, for those of you that maybe don't haven't participated in junior achievement and or haven't heard about it. Um, it probably looks a little bit different than it did 30 years ago when I was in it, but but back in my day, right, the, the program was, it consisted of uh, weekly evening meetings and it drew from students from all over the, the area. So it was both public school and private school students. So one, I think the great thing about it is that introduced me to people that were of different backgrounds than me, um, that had different experiences than me, and it taught us to work together. Uh, so, you know, during, through junior achievement, we basically learned the basics about a corporation. We sold stock to our family and friends. Um, we developed and produced and sold a product. And at the end of the program, we liquidated our company and we paid out dividends back um, to our investors. And so the goal obviously was to deliver a profit to shareholders. So, you know, after that program, and I participated in it for a couple of years, you know, I was hooked. I knew that I wanted to study business. Um, I didn't know exactly what I wanted to study in business, but I, I knew that was the area of study that I wanted to pursue. Mm -hmm. Given that that was your influence in high school, what led was that what led you to do a college course in business administration and marketing? Uh, so, you know, it's, it's a funny story because my, actually my first a management professor asked me the same question. Like he said, you know, why are you guys in this class? And so I, I don't know why I did it, but I raised my hand and I said, well, you know, I kind of basically got here by process of elimination, right? So my school, there were five majors in the business school. There was accounting, finance, marketing, management, and international business. Um, and they made you take an introductory course in each of those majors before you declared, a, I mean, or each of those subjects before you declared a major. So by the time I was, you know, my sophomore year, I knew I did not want to do accounting. I knew I did not want to do finance and I loved marketing. I had enough, you know, credits under my belt to be able to double major. Um, so it really, you know, that double major, it was a toss up between management and international business and manage, management just appealed more to me. So after I gave that answer, my professor kind of joked with me. He's like, well, it kind of sounds you're just, you know, you're just choosing the lesser of two evils. But, but, you know, in reality, it, it, you know, by going through that process and kind of thinking about what I enjoyed studying and what I didn't, it did help me down to kind of whittle down to what I truly wanted to, to study. Based on your experience, what are the professional traits you feel are needed to be successful in a career in compliance? I would say the traits that have helped me in my career have been, you know, having a learning mentality. So always being curious, um, being able to work with different people, having strong communication skills and um, being a strategic and critical thinker. So those are, you know, just traits that I think have been helpful to me. Uh, and I would say, you know, naturally, I do like to ask a lot of questions. That's just a personality trait of mine. Uh, a lot of the technical knowledge that I have from, you know, the legal and the HR side, I gained from learning on the job and, you know, my ability to, to really drill down to the root cause and understand what motivates people, devise strategies um, to get people to change their behavior. That was really developed 
through my coursework, right, through marketing and management. So there really was kind of a lot of factors, uh, you know, both those that were learned, those that were gained through work, and those that were just naturally innate to me that kind of led me to where I am today. In your uh, current position, I know you're also heavily engaged in diversity, equity, inclusion, also known as DEI. Can you share more about DEI in the workplace and how students and professionals can impact it? So I would say DEI's diversity, equity, inclusion is in the workplace is really about creating a work environment where people feel comfortable bringing their whole selves to work. You know, where you make everybody feel um, that they're welcome and that they belong, and making sure that we provide people with the opportunity to, for advancement um, and that we celebrate people's differences. And the model for for um, the DEI Council at Crescent is at Crescent, we believe that our differences are what make us great. So it's celebrating the fact that we are different and that it's an advantage, not a disadvantage. Uh, I also think it's important to believe in the organization that you work for and that to have shared values with that organization. Um, So Crescent just held its leadership conference last week, and my colleague and I led a session called Leveling Up on Diversity, Putting the I in Team, where we talked about what leaders can do at their properties to create a more inclusive workplace for their associates. And, you know, we were given the most time out of any of the presenters at the conference. And I think that's when you know that your company really supports DEI, when they, when, you know, you have all senior leaders and you have the leadership of all your properties at a conference and the most time is dedicated to DEI. Um, So I think that speaks volumes. I, I think that younger generations, so the Gen Zs, Gen Alphas, you know, those are which my kids are telling me, that, you know, they're part of that generation and they, they are like, this is the generation, this is what we call them now. But I believe that Gen Z and Gen Alpha can make a really tremendous impact in the DEI space. They're the most diverse generations that we have had in history. Uh, and, you know, they have the, the power to choose which organizations they work for, right? What who they buy from, who they support, um, and they they can base that based you know on their uh, company's alignments with their own values. So uh, you know I think that, that they do have a lot of impact or ability to impact um, in that area. And I, I will say when you become part of an organization, right, get involved, right, make sure that your voice is heard. Yeah, that's really good advice. And this generation, like touching back on that. What do you feel are some of the missteps we might be taking just based on your experience? Uh, I don't know if this is for just a specific to a generation. I think it's more specific to where you are in your life. A lot of times, uh, you know, I, I have the hindsight or I have the benefit of hindsight, right? So, I, you know, I can say, looking back, what would I tell like my younger self? Uh, and and I, one thing I, I would say, and I, I tell this to my kids too, is don't worry about having a five to 10 year plan right? A five or 10 year plan heading into college. Uh, I think it's better to develop your sense of self and to really understand what you like and what you don't like and what gives you purpose. Because I have friends who went to elite schools, they went to law schools because that's what they were supposed to do. Uh, and, you know, the, only to realize after going through all that school, which is a, you know, a lot of effort, right? That they are not doing what they really want to do or that they enjoy. Uh, and it, it makes me think back to uh, a time during my first job performance, like, you know, a review. So like, you know, when I sat down with my boss to 
they could tell me how, how I was doing. So it's my first review right out of college. And my boss asked me what my five-year plan. And I, I told him, I, I don't have one. Right. Uh, and he said to me, well, you, you really need to have some goals in life. <laughs> so, uh, and you know, don't get me wrong. I'm not a, I am a planner by heart. I'm not kind of like that tumbleweed or fly by the seat of my pants person. I am a planner. You know, I like to, to have a goal, very goal oriented. Um, but at that point, I just really didn't know what I wanted to do with my life, you know, and looking back, I'm kind of glad I didn't have a five-year plan when I was 23 because that left me open to opportunities um, and to consider opportunities that I might not have thought of otherwise. Mm -hmm. That's really good to know because I think like we're all sometimes in the mindset of we need to have our plans straight down, but that's not always the case. Can you tell us a little bit about like how you found, you were mentioning like finding what you love to do, but what were some of the challenges you faced in that process? Um, you know, I would be, I will say that right after I graduated and again, you know, I went to, this is coming out of, I mentioned, you know, elite high school, I went to, you know, a top university. Um, you do have a lot of outside pressure and expectations of what success looks like or, you know, who is successful and where you should be in your life by a certain point. So I will say you know, I had thought about going to law school right out of college and uh, I lived with, you know, there are four of us in an apartment my senior year and two of the four of them were pre-law. And so I was like, oh, maybe I could do law school. You know, I, I was kind of, I took a business law course. It was really interesting. And, and I ended up actually working for a law firm for a little while right out of school, just to kind of get an idea of like, is this a life that I want? And um, decided, you know, I don't really want to do three more years of school after I just got my four-year degree. So didn't, you know, it wasn't the right time for me, but it, it was hard, I think, at that stage in my life, because you do see people going over to law school, right? You do see people getting these fancy jobs and big titles. And here I am still trying to figure out what I want to do. Um, I will say there was less pressure because we didn't have social media back then, right? So you don't have that instant comparison, uh, but still, you know, you, you know, what other people are doing and you know what the expectations are. So I think that was the challenge of being able to keep pushing forward and not get sidetracked by what other people were doing or comparing yourself to other people. Yeah, definitely. I like that you brought up social media. I think whether or not we realize it, it's definitely a comparison aspect and it's probably creating more stress than we need. But how do you feel about work-life balance and where you are, like your work life and your personal life? Uh, so I have four kids and everybody is like shocked. And I, you know, I'll tell you when I was 23, I didn't think I would be here talking about four kids, uh, but it, it, I feel like I have a good work-life balance. Uh, I will say, I don't think I had one uh, prior to COVID. So um, COVID was a game changer for people. I think that were in, you know, middle management like me. Uh, it really forced a lot of people to slow down uh, and to reevaluate like what is important. Because again, just like I was young and you get caught up with comparing yourself to where you should be right out of college, right? You feel that way when you're, you know, even at my stage in the career of you just get caught up in that rat race of travel and meetings and conferences and working late. 
Uh, and prior to COVID, you know, I, I was probably traveling two weeks out of the month. Uh, you know, my, my kids used to joke that I had a secret family in Dallas because I was traveling, flying to Dallas so often. Uh, and then when COVID hit, you know, there was no travel. We didn't go into the office. Everything was done via Zoom, right? Meetings were done via Zoom. And it, I think it, it gave me a reset. And, you know, I did change companies in the middle of the pandemic. And I, I will say that this company, it's refreshing to have a company that supports work-life balance. You know, when you're working and they're like, what are you still doing here? Why don't you go home? Like have dinner with your kids. What do you, you know, like it's, it's refreshing to, to have that. Uh, so, you know, everybody has to choose what's right for them. That was right for me, right? I rather slow down on the career side and enjoy my family. I mean, there are other people that, you know, are gunning for a C-suite, right? Position, like an executive committee position, you know, having a big title, having a lot of responsibility. There are people that are gunning for that. I'm not one of them. And I am happy uh, being where I am. So. Yeah, it's definitely all about being content with where you are. I think that's one of the most important things. But going back to your current position, what aspects of your job do you enjoy the most and what do you feel like you dread some days? Uh, so I really enjoy learning. And so I've been in the hospitality industry for many, many years. Uh, and even though I've been in the industry you know, that long, I haven't learned everything I can learn. You know, there's always more to know. And I will say in my compliance role, the, the one thing I like about it is not wedded to any particular department. So even though I started in legal, you know, I spent a great deal of my career in human resources, uh, my role allows me to work with all aspects of the company. So, you know, work, have a relationship with finance and payroll, with operations, uh, you know, all at risk management, all of those different fields. And just learning from them every day is something that's rewarding to me. And uh, I like the fact that I know that I am helping the company be better every day. So whether it that's through my compliance role and I'm reducing risk and liability of the company or my DEI role and I'm building a more inclusive or equitable organization, I know that there is progress and that there is improvement and that I'm part of that. And so that is that is very rewarding. That's really good to hear. It seems like there's a good balance between law and business, which sometimes we don't really think about in that aspect, but compliance seems to encompass all of that. But as we're wrapping up, what is one final thought you want to leave our listeners with? So I thought about this a lot <laughs> and it's the mom in me, right? Uh, and I wanted to leave something inspirational. Uh, so the one thing that I would say is my favorite poem is The Road Not Taken by Robert Frost. And I'm sure that all of you have read this poem sometime in your middle school or high school career. Every English teacher loves this poem. But the last stanza is, I shall be telling this with a sigh somewhere ages and ages hence, two roads diverge in a wood. And I, I took the one less traveled by and that has made all the difference. So in life, we have, we have to make choices without knowing if it's the right one, or where the path will lead us. But when we look back on that moment, we always say that it was the right path for us because that was part of our life's journey. 
And so I tell my kids this all the time. College is not about not only about academics, but it's also about figuring out who you are as a person. So, you know, pick a major that interests you and don't be afraid to change it. Like I went in thinking I was going to do accounting and I ended up with a marketing degree. Go to college where you can be you, right? Where you feel comfortable, you feel like you can be involved um, and that you belong. And show yourself some grace when you stumble because you're going to stumble. Um, and at the very, you know, that ultimately, you know, enjoy the journey. Thank you for joining us on this podcast journey. Take this as a reminder to give yourself grace when you stumble as it is inevitable. And as Joy reminded us, when we look back, we'll realize that every moment we were presented with was meant to be part of our life's journey. We encourage you to stay connected with us and join the conversation on our social media platforms, sharing your own stories. If you would like to contact our guest speaker with any further questions, you can do so by going to our website at aziapodcast.com. Until next time, keep rising above your limits. This is your host signing off.